0: Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the Monday show. For the first time in a few weeks, it's actually been recorded live on a Monday. Yes, me and Aaron have made the effort to do so because of Newcastle's 6-1 victory over Tottenham Hotspur. Aaron, are you still in
1: Dreamland, still on Cloud9? What a performance. I'm still expecting to just wake up and for it all just be snatched away from us. I just thought it was this incredible dream. yesterday. I've never experienced Anything like that, I know where many were spring chickens in the journalism game compared to the likes of Gibbo, who I'm sure has seen you know many of an afternoon like that. But I've never seen anything like that at St James's Park those opening twenty minutes.
0: Now we've been discussing where to start this episode, and in truth, we could start it in many many ways. But I'm going to take the lead, okay. and we're going to start with Joe Willick's assist <laughs> for Alexander Isaac's goal. Honestly, lads and lasses watching this. I've already watched it numerous of times today. What an assist. People are saying assist of the season, assist of the decade.
1: If the Premier League, as far as I'm aware, don't have an assist of the season competition, but they need to create an award solely for that goal. I mean, will he ever hit a ball first time as well as he hit that yesterday? Honestly. And the finish to match as well, I think it wouldn't have been forgotten about, but it certainly wouldn't have been given the plaudits it's been given if Iza hadn't finished it off. But I mean... That entire move we could we could talk about in depth. I mean, six touches from Byrne winning the ball back to Isaac having it back in the net. But Joe Willick, I mean, that is just a player playing at his most confident, the very top of his game. And I tell you what, I wish Gareth Southgate had been there yesterday to see it.
0: Yeah, well, that was going to be the next point I was going to make after we've discussed it. But we'll we'll do it now, Gareth. If you're watching, if you're listening, right? We said this a few weeks back, a few months back at the last England squad, Joe Willick. He's got to be the man in the middle for you. He's absolutely brilliant, and also Mikel Arteta at home, maybe crying into his cup of tea, into his cereal because the title looks to be slipping away. Tell you what, if one man could have helped them uh, secure the title, it's probably Joe Willick in this form, isn't it?
1: Yeah, Eddie Howe was asked about it last night about you know Willick and his England chances, and Eddie Howe is really banging the drum. From Eddie Howe says that. You know, Going forward and defensively, he thinks he's the man that can help Gareth Southgate. And very, very interesting that the England manager made certain comments a couple of weeks ago about there not being enough English players playing at the top level. Well, I'll tell you what, Joe Willock at the stage is going to be playing Champions League football next season. I just,
0: I'm just going to continue to talk about the past because I just absolutely love it. And one thing I didn't realise until I got home and watched Match of the Day was that it was first time. Yeah. Like, in the moment, I didn't realise he just he just did it. I mean, I could talk about it all day.
1: We've, we've spoken about this quite a lot and about being in the press box and, you know, you've got your journalist head on, and but sometimes just things happen in the game that make you sort of revert back to being a fan. And when Willick initially did that pass, you know, I sort of let out a little bit of a, oof, what was that? And, as I said, the finish to match, just... We could talk about. We could do an hour podcast, the Monday show, just talking about Joe Willick and that pass. But there's plenty of other things of positives as well to talk about. Well, this
0: is why Joe Willick's probably a professional footballer now. I'm not. When he got the ball initially, in fact, I think it was when Bruno got the ball. Murphy was away on the far right with nobody marking him, and he gave it to Joe Willick. And I was like, Murphy's over there. I, I want him to give it to Murphy. He was free. Joe Willick must have heard his, and in his moment <laughs> thought, "Wait there, Andrew, watch this," because I tell you, I didn't see. You. He's out making that run.
1: No, I didn't. And it's very, very similar to, I, I think it's the right one I'm thinking of, of an assist Kaka did in the Champions League final where he slots that ball. It wasn't with really the outside of his hook, but he cuts the defenders in half. And I mean, Eric Dier was in no man's land. He didn't know whether to come go. He didn't even realise the pass was coming. It just, it just so, that was the, the, the headline grabbing thing from what was just such an amazing first half.
0: Well, now, Mark Ruthers who does a bit of writing for us as well as other titles in the, in the North East, um, he's put on Twitter today that that pass from Joe Willick will be up there alongside the Terry Hibbert pass to Supermark in the FA Cup semi final. Now, for younger listeners and viewers, and that's myself and Aaron included, if you don't know what we're talking about, head on to YouTube and watch this pass from Terry Hibbert. First time, like Joe Willick, it's a long lofted ball over the top. It, In my opinion is better than Joe Willicks, only just. But I can see the point Mark's making. I can't think of two better passes from a Newcastle United player.
1: Nobody will ever forget that pass. Anybody that was there, anybody that watched it, I think fans that will grow up in the next few years to watch Newcastle United will see that pass and come to love it. And, yeah, I mean, Joe Willick, that pass was fantastic. His all-round game has improved yesterday again, stepped up when he needed to. I bet, personally... That was fantastic for him, being an Arsenal fan against Tottenham. Um, And I'm sure a lot of Arsenal fans were were cheering him on from the sofas.
0: Now, obviously, when Joe Willock first joined and he went through that purple patch, didn't he, which ultimately led him to join in permanently. Mm -hmm. uh, What was it, eight goals in in eight games or what have you. Um, But now we're starting to see form, which I think probably is a better reflection of the type of player he is. You know What happened when he was on loan? Was a was a fluke. It was a freak of nature. That was never going to happen again yeah. to probably any player, really. Um, him now performing on a consistent basis. Okay, not getting too many goals, but he is sticking one or two in the back of the net. But I'm just talking about his overall game, as you've mentioned there. You know, good in the tackle, picking the pass, driving the team forward. I don't know, but yeah, that's the kind of form I think you want from your midfield player, and and then to chip in a few goals as well.
1: Yeah, I mean that that. That purple patch he had under Steve Bruce was, you know, it came at a time when Newcastle really picked up towards the end of the season and sort of pulled away from relegation. Um, as you say, nobody really expected that goal scoring form to continue when his loan move became permanent. I still don't think we'll ever see that again from him. I don't think he's he's that type of player anymore. But in terms of his value now, as you say, he's better defensively. He's better going forward. He's amazing in the setup. He looks fitter. He looks bulkier. Um, and I think the, the fit, I think he's looked that all season. I don't know what he's done last summer or what he's been doing, but he looks, you know, the engine that he's got now is absolutely fantastic. He looks very, very assured in this team. People keep talking about the relationship that he's got with Joe and down the left, which I completely agree with. But I, what I'm really enjoying is both on the pitch and off the pitch, this relationship he's got with Isaac. They are really like, you know, you can tell they've got a really good relationship. I've followed Joe Willock on social media and the amount of times he's posting videos of Izak doing stuff off the pitch, you can tell they've got a really good camaraderie. Brilliant response from Izak when he scored that goal to turn around straight away, sprint towards Joe Willock and sort of ask him, you know, what the F was that? (laughs) What have I just seen you do? Um, For me, he's knocking on the England doors, Eddie Howe said yesterday, He's one of the first names on that team sheet now. I think if Newcastle were to ever sell him, they're going to get a hell of a lot more than they would when they bought him. Um, I'm just really, really pleased for him because he, he's really coming from his own. He's such a huge player for this team now.
0: Let's go right back to the start of the game. I mean, I missed the first goal.
1: I think I think a lot of people and it, will have. And
0: not only did I miss it, I didn't actually realise that there had been an actual goal. Wow. I didn't actually see the first goal until match of the day. Um so that was my start to the afternoon, I and mean, that's how quick it was. Jacob Murphy, though, right place, right time, and all about Newcastle as well, pressing really high and forcing Spurs, you know, back. Because if you watch the build-up to that goal, take take away the Joe Linton run, it's not, you know, the ball doesn't want to drop for anybody. It's a bit like hot potato, yeah. and yet they still managed to get it into the box, and Joe Linton goes on one of those runs, and just great to see Murphy with the composure. And, and for it to go in, you know, you need a bit of luck. You know, some might say the Murphy of He's he's skewing that over the bar, he's hitting the woodwork, but he gets in the back of the net and it set the tone for what was to come.
1: Yeah, the, as you say, the tone was set so early on, obviously, with, with them scoring the first minute. But even before that, there was, the, you know, as you say, the ball's bouncing around the midfield. Joe Willock does really well. I think he dispossesses Hoyberg in about 30 seconds, he? and you think straight away, OK, they're up for this, they're putting them under pressure. Joe Linton really really you know confident in his ability now in front of goal where he's driving at that you know a couple of seasons ago we wouldn't have seen that sort of that confidence from him and Jacob Murphy you know everybody's talked about how well he's been playing how well he's done to get back in the team but you know he's never really looked like scoring the last couple of weeks he's been you know the provider really important for him personally to get that goal I thought his reaction time was brilliant I mean Spurs were I mean we're talking to you, you know, depth about how abject Spurs were, but that set the tone from the first minute. First to every second ball. Um, loved his first celebration as much as I loved his third celebration. Um, but yeah, really, really pleased for him on a personal level to, you know, to be the one that set the tone yesterday. Yeah,
0: yeah. definitely. And um, important for Jacob Murphy because in recent weeks, he's been the one that's been sacrificed, hasn't he? He's often the one that goes goes off. And you, you wonder with Miggy back in St. Maxwell back with the next couple of weeks, we, we suspect whether he'd be the one under threat. But, you know, he's been involved in every single Premier League game this season. Eddie Howe likes and trusts him. And he's gone to him probably and gone, well, look, you know, this is your chance to prove yourself. We're missing, on paper, our two first-choice wingers. Go out and prove to me that you can be that number one. And what a way to do it. And that second goal. I mean, we're talking about confidence. Mm -hmm. And yesterday, everybody was on that wave of confidence. Whatever, for whatever reason... Didn't happen against Villa. They were down the dumps. We had a bad day at the office. But yesterday, everything came from confidence. Joe Linton running in the box and having a pop. Confidence. Uh, so, uh, Joe Whip with a pass, with the assist. Confidence. Joe Linton's effort. Confidence. It's yeah. all about them being confident enough just to take a shot. And if you miss, you miss. But just feeling confident enough that something good's going to come of it. And I think it's epitomised in the way Jacob Murphy scored his second goal because for him just to hit that. I mean, it, shades of Alan Shearer's goal against Chelsea at the other end when he turned SIE and the way the keeper couldn't move and it ricocheted in the back of the net. Lovely.
1: I think the Murphy of Old might have had a pop at that, but it, it wasn't flying at the corner. And it'd be interesting to know whether he would have had that shot if he hadn't scored the first goal, because I think maybe, his, as you say, his confidence levels would have risen. Very, very easy to forget, by the way, that a couple of, a couple of days ago, there was quite a few Newcastle fans saying, it's time to make it to come back in. Dan Byrne was a question. Does Dan Byrne start? There was another question about whether it's time to bring Miggy back in, who he's fit. Everybody knows that the competition for places now is huge. Every game you could be out the team. Jacob Murphy certainly won't be out the team forever, and you'd imagine because, as you say, they're they're stepping up when they need to, and he's done it again, as Dan Byrne did yesterday as well.
0: Yeah, we'll get on to Dan Byrne because I was mightily impressed with Dan. Burning. I just want to talk about Jolene. Uh, Jul- uh, There's so many players to talk We've about. I don't know so where. Many. I don't even know where I'm gonna gonna end. To be honest, I want to talk about Jacob Murphy's facial expressions because let me. Because every time Newcastle United win, the first person I go to look for is Jacob Murphy because as a Newcastle United fan myself, he's living out the dream, isn't he? He's doing what we all wanted to do as uh, as young adults, and he's he is living the dream, and it's it's, it's I'm very happy for him. Um, And I always look for the way he's celebrating in the dressing room. But to see that on the pitch, I mean, the second one was, I think, genuinely uh, just an expression of of shock. And then if you look around the terraces for the next 10 minutes, after the the third and the fourth goal, fifth goal go in, everyone's like
1: that. They're like, oh my goodness, what on earth has happened. But yeah, his facial expressions. Let's just go into depth about them. He's slowly becoming the, the, the king of memes, I think, is what the kids would call it. I mean, he's... He had that wave at Southampton. My wave, select a car off. He had the time wasting pause. Um, you know he did that. It was a manager. Had, I can't remember who the manager was, but Marco Silva. who was few minutes at St. James's Park, and Murphy was looking at him. And then you add this one to the you know the the show reel on on Sunday. I mean, I certainly was looking like Jacob Murphy after he scored that second goal. I couldn't believe that he'd actually taken the shot on and that it actually went in. I couldn't believe that it was three and a half to nine minutes. You know, I needed to lie down at that point. Um, But as you say, you know, we're both Newcastle United fans as well as journalists. And to see him, boyhood Newcastle fan, have a really tough start at this football club, written off by so many, probably us included as well. I'll hold my hands up and say I thought that as time was going to come to an end, I thought he'd be one of the first out. We even had that bet, which feels like, that feels like years ago.
0: I, I'm, I'm disappointed I didn't make it a running bet. I'm, I'm so
1: glad that it wasn't <laughs> a weekly Nando's because I think I'd be I think I'd be in my overdraft if that was the case. But um, look, just fantastic for him. As I say, I think he keeps his spot Thursday. I think even now we've got to talk about the summer, if he can continue this between the end of the season... When We're suddenly not talking about, you know, Jacob Murphy leaving and going. We're talking about, right, well, can he be a decent squad player if they improve in, the, in that position? Um, yeah, I'm delighted for him. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that he was shocked after that goal yesterday.
0: And a really good relationship on the pitch as well with, with Kieran Trippier, hasn't yeah. he? And, then, you know, when Miggie goes out of the team, you're wondering, can... I suppose it's the trio, isn't it? Because it's usually Trippier, Bruno and Mickey, and you were wondering, well, whoever's going to come in and replace Mickey did they make the same kind of runs? And they do, and uh, Murphy has done. And yesterday we were seeing that where Trippier would be going down, down the overlapping, and, and Murphy would be feeding into him. And what I also love about Jacob Murphy is that he just wants to get the ball into the box. Mm-hmm. He's not afraid to put a cross into the box. And, you know, more often than not, he'll get it in and it'll cause a bit of chaos. And I think when Newcastle were really struggling uh, during that bad spell this season, they were lacking someone who just wanted to say, Do you know what? I'm gonna put it in, put it in the mixer, as they're saying, and see what happens. And but in Jacob Murphy they've got that.
1: That was what we were all talking about a couple of couple of weeks and months ago. When he first got brought back into the team, it was actually on the back of that cup final performance where he came off the bench and he was the only one that really looked like putting the ball in. And that, you know, was the catalyst for what has now become a really assured performer in this team. I think you mentioned there the sort of trio that they've got down the right. I think you can now put Longstaff in that mix. I think they've got four or five players now that fit that role down the right really well and the interplay is so lovely. Um, and it just goes back to what we keep saying, Eddie Howe's now got options in each position, um, which must make it really hard for him because I, don't, if I'm in his shoes, who on earth do you play? Miggy, who's done nothing wrong hardly all season, out the team. Maxie does well when he comes in, out the team. He's got you know Gordon, who's itching for a start. Willick and Jolenton don't want to give up that spot down the left, it's such a good position to be in.
0: It's then also difficult when you look towards the summer as well because then the need for a centre midfielder isn't as great, but then obviously we're talking after the Aston Villa game, you say, No, oh, it's definitely what they yeah. need and this, I suppose this is the fickle nature of football, but when everyone's on top form, you do wonder about how maybe priorities shift in the transfer window come, come the summer?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think if... if Miggie Armour hadn't had that start of the season. I wouldn't have been surprised if they'd went and bought a right midfielder in the, in January. Now you're looking at the fact you've got Miggie and Murphy both performing. Does it take a little bit of pressure off them going out and buying a right midfielder? For me, no, because as you say, this time last week, we were all saying how they need to lift that level. And I think if they're qualifying for Champions League football, they do need to lift that level of the squad. So I think we need to be careful not to get real reactionary and short-term and, and fickle, as you say, about the demands of this team in the Champions League next season. It's a different ball game. But at the minute, a lot of these players playing for their future are doing really well, really sort of stamping their mark on the team. Um, and it certainly will be impacting the plans for the summer because Dan Ashworth, as you say, will have this list of players that he wants to go out and sign. But really, yes, they need a centre midfielder because they're light. But when you're looking at it, it takes a little bit of pressure off what they need in other positions.
0: I guess maybe how it changes it is that the plans for position won't change they, well, we know they're going to go after a defensive midfielder, uh, we know they're probably going to go after a, a winger as well as the two kind of priorities that probably won't change but what will change is the level they aim for yeah. not just because they're also in the Champions League but because in the midfield, Joe and Bruno Longstaff all performing well, Willick as well, you know, you're not going to go out and buy someone who is just on their level, which is a very good level and you're going to go out and really improve the team so that makes their job a little bit harder and finding the person who's going to come in and in and, and and you know get uh, get one of those four out of the side.
1: Yeah, completely. And and I'm not using this as an example that I think is going to happen. But all of a sudden, if you know you've got Miggy and Murphy both playing fantastic down the right hand side, do you think right? Well, instead of going out and paying 70, 80 million on Musa Diaby, who's going to play in that position and probably be much better, do we actually go for someone like Gran Kowal, who's young, cheap? Probably not going to be in the first team, but they're going to be a good option. They're going to have to be very financially savvy this summer with FFP and the amount of players that they're going to need to strengthen this squad. You know, as we said last week with Declan Rice, we don't think they're going to go and blow, you know, hundred million on one player. It changes the priorities, and all of a sudden, a deal for a youngster in that position isn't actually a bad thing instead of going out and paying 60, 70 million for a top-class player.
0: I guess one of the key questions is the performance that we saw yesterday, the performance we saw against Manchester United the other week, can the players who, let's be honest, we thought a few of these would be out the door last summer, January gone, you know, um, but they've stepped up the likes of maybe Miggie Murphy in some people's mind, Sean Longstaff, another one potentially in, in the mind of some. Can these players maintain that into next season, and I guess the fear is, is that this is a uh, like the riding riding that wave of positivity that's come this season, and next season's really the big task for them to maintain maintain it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's 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 what we've talked about in the past with Miggy, and you know had a fantastic, um, you know, really really quick out the gate at the start of the season, but all of a sudden after Christmas dry, dropped off of it. It's happened to other players and other positions and I think, you know, we always go back to it about Maxi, we need that consistency. That is I think the players have saved themselves in some respects in the short term. Long term future as this club grows at such a you know quick rate that might change, but they've certainly done themselves no harm in the short term.
0: Roger says to improve the squad we have to buy. Uh, difficult yet yeah, with the Champions League on the horizon, but we simply have to. And a lot of people as well saying or giving us, you know, numbers that they would like to to say, Darren says we need four quality uh, players bringing in this summer. It's certainly going to be interesting to see who they do bring in. Obviously, we know that they're working off a, a few lists and, and they won't really make any moves until they know exactly where they are playing next season in terms of European competitions. Once you answer this one from Graham, who says, uh, Which player has impressed you the most this season? Now, for me, it's Joe Linton, player of the season. And, I mean, yesterday, unbelievable. First off, right, that goal, that touch, little look up to see Louise coming off his line, takes it round him, pops it in the back of the net. The Joe Linton of all, the Joe Linton under Steve Bruce is either doing one of several bad things in that, that instance. He's either miscontrolling it.
1: He's not bringing that ball down. Let's it's be off his shin. Honest. It's in at it the leasers, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. If he manages to bring it down, he's running straight into the keeper, but it's not a penalty. The keeper's just got it. If he gets around the keeper, he's either belting it out on the bar in a torres style, you know, wide, or he's hitting the woodwork, or he's just hitting the defender. I don't think that goes in Jolinton in the world. The Jolinton of now, the man, mountain, the beast, the tank. How else are we going to describe him? I think I've done it there, haven't I? The now? enforcer. The enforcer. Yeah, just
1: honestly... It was really, really interesting in the first half because every time Fabian Schär got the ball, it was as if Joel Linton was like, right, this is my chance. And I mean, Pedro Porro, the right back, who had a torrid game, you know, had a little look at Joel and saw he was there and the next minute he was gone. Very, very similar to the goal against West Ham the other week, you know, in similar circumstances where Joel Linton was really, really alive to the situation, took the goal very well. Um, we're just seeing a different animal. And as you say, 30 seconds in that game, driving at the Spurs players, cutting inside, taking on three, having a go, set the tone completely. As we say every week, another eight or nine out of 10 from them. So yeah. to, answer, to answer the question, I can't really say no, it's not Joel. But I think you could give it to, you give it to any. I think for me, I think it's got to be Sean Longstaff. He's been so improved. He, you see when he comes back into that team, how different they are, you know, how bad they were at Villa compared to what they were like on Sunday. As you say, he's on the green screen here. I think, but look, you could see, you could see anybody. Fabian cher has been really good. Dan Burnett, left-back, has been really good. It's, you know, the possibilities are endless.
0: And Chris says, Julian is a beast. That's one word, word that, yeah, you could definitely describe him. And and we've got Sean Longstaff on the green screen here looking in shock. And I can't work out if that's because he's just heard Aaron
1: say he's in the run of a player of the season. <laughs> look, for me, he is and. I'm on the side of Eddie Howe here. People are going to have a go at us in the comments. But he is the unsung hero. He goes under the radar. He's not flashy. He does the hard graft. Newcastle looks so much worse off without him. And I think, personally, he has improved so much in his game that he's got to be a contender. But I think he's in contention with eight other players. I think we could realistically sit here and debate about Willock being player of the season, Joelton. For me, long staff,
0: well, just jumping. I'm not saying you're not, he's not up there in the nominations. I'm just saying, you know, a few weeks ago, there was a lot of talk that Scott McTominay could be coming into a place. I mean, that his future was looking a little bit, I mean, me myself, when everyone was fit, I was saying, well, I think his players is the most under threat. Obviously, against Villa, they played without him, partly because of tonsillitis, um, and they suffered without him. And I think it reaffirmed actually that I was wrong in my judgment, he is what Newcastle United need. Again, yesterday, actually, if I say to you, pinpoint one thing he did, I would struggle, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. It reaffirms the fact that he's one of those players that goes under the radar, doesn't get the headlines.
1: Eddie Howe has it spot on when he says about him that you don't actually realise the importance that he carries to this team. His performances don't get the credit they deserve. And yes, he didn't do a amazing forty yard pass yesterday like Fabian Chair that you know people are gonna remember he didn't do a Joe Willick outside the boot you know ball. But that team looks so more secure with him in it. They look a lot more balanced. As I say he's got fantastic relationship with the players on the right hand side of the pitch and I just think for me he's been he's been absolutely fantastic this season. So but yeah I think he, he's one of, you know, eight or nine you could choose from.
0: So no Scott McTominy this, this summer?
1: Um, I don't think so I don't know if I was ever really banging the drum for
0: <laughs> oh what excuse me someone needs to go in the archives and look that one out <clears throat> uh, Roger says across the whole season it has to be Joe Linton after Eliaro came on board last season his transformation began with a plump uh, now for now well now for longer he's amazing I guess we have to say a thank you to Kieran Clark for getting sent off against Norwich mm-hmm. for that uh, we've got Gordon saying Nick Pope's first touch has been most improved I'm not sure. I slightly. <laughs> I don't think it has. He still makes us slightly nervous. Uh, Nick Pope when he's coming out to get the ball. Uh, Chris says, "Could Murphy get most improved player? Couldn't get in the West Brom's team. Went out on loan. It's interesting that one. Um, yeah. like you say there's, there's so many you could name? You know, Miguel Almirón, Fabian Shear, Nick Pope, Nick Pope, Nick Pope,
1: best defense in the league."
0: our oh, player of the season, oh, sorry. sorry. We're we about most improved? sorry. Yeah sorry. Um, yeah, sorry.
1: Yeah, most improved, yeah. I mean, not Nick Pope, but yeah, Miggie, Murphy, Willick, Joe Litton, Longstaff, <laughs> Byrne, anyone else want to talk about I don't it's
0: know. team, really. I mean, I Eddie Howe? Eddie Howe, no. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see, yeah, you know, the, the various teams of the season when they, they come out, aren't they? Because Newcastle arguably could have three or four. But yes, Joe Linton, fantastic to see him Get that goal, and it, it must be terrifying when you hear them coming, chasing after you. Especially when you're in the mood. Spurs were in, you know, they just couldn't handle them.
1: Yeah, I think that one of the best parts of yesterday for me was just whenever the camera just cut to the Spurs players, and I mean they looked shell shocked after two nil after six minutes. Never mind when it was five after twenty. They just looked like, you know, every single one of them wanted the ground to go out and swallow them up.
0: Yeah, not a good performance from Spurs, but you know, let's take nothing away from Newcastle, they were absolutely brilliant. Um, Isaac's second goal again, it comes from just kind of just forcing Spurs back and in a lovely finish. Longstaff plays the ball into him, um, gets the assist, obviously, and then it's a, it's a lovely finish, a real striker's goal. And it was funny. Um, the Wolves game at St James's Park, I was talking to someone who who knows a little bit about football and, and been in the game a long time and said, Oh, Newcastle you on the summer, they need a striker. That like, he's actually not. he can't score goals. So he gets a goal there against Wolves, did I think since then, something like seven and seven. Um, you know, he's proven a lot. Well, I don't know how many doubters there were. I don't think there were that many. <laughs>
1: I think so there was maybe just that one blog
0: on. you were saying. Well, do you know what there was a tweet, um, there's a tweet that jumped up on, on, on Twitter yesterday about someone saying, you know, he's not worth the money, he's not a, a top top tier kind of uh player, but you know, if anyone watching him says he definitely, definitely is.
1: I've just I feel like I just don't have the words to say how much I love him already. I just think he's everything you want in a strike. He's agile, he's quick, he does the defensive work. Brilliant moment yesterday in the second half where he, he carried the ball into sort of a you know a dead end. He lost it, he slipped straight back on his feet and won it. The way he took his first goal, absolutely fantastic. The way he took his second goal, even better. He's just, I think, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm going to because I just think, I think in a couple of years' time, he could generally be one of the best strike as we've ever seen at Newcastle United.
0: Here yeah, he is. Here he is. Uh, do you know what? It's at times like this where I wish I had a, a little bell <laughs> I could play in the background because I knew as soon as we started talking about that Alexander set my Isaac, timer
1: to it and then, yeah.
0: Sam Mulner of Newcastle Fans TV. This is how they get advertised. He pops up every week talking about uh Isaac or you know having a dig at you about uh, Scott McTominay. But yeah Sam Mulner says Did I ever tell you Isaac is the real deal? You did, you did. He I'm is. sure you're now not the only grown adult man with pictures and posters of Alexander <laughs> Isak on your bedroom wall, Sam. Um, he is the real deal. And I want to know what you think about his arrogance because he's got. We, we talk about this team having um, spiky characters, you know, who are in the ear of the opposition, who will give them a little shove when the referee's not watching. Um, Isak is that. And yesterday. We saw it when he was celebrating, like you know, he couldn't believe it in the way he walked into the camera. We saw it against West Ham when he just stood, and I think opposition fans will say that is so arrogant. But I tell you what, I bloody love
1: it. I love it as well. I think that reaction to the the fifth goal was pretty much everyone's reaction. It was what on earth is going on here? Yeah. As we've already touched on, brilliant reaction. It was first goal as well, where he sort of ran over to Willick and said, "What the f was that?" As if he couldn't believe it. Um, He's just, as I say, as we've said with Murphy and Willock, he looks, you know, I mean, I can't say that I've watched him too much at Dortmund or Sociedad or any of his other clubs, but he's got to be enjoying the most confident spell. He's in the best league of the world. He's overcame very, very untimely injury issues at the start of the season and he's already among the top scorers for this team. He's just, imagine what he's going to be like, a proper pre-season under his belt, a full season in the Premier League, a full season with Eddie Howe. He should, yeah, he is He is the real deal.
0: Yeah, Roger says forwards need that arrogance. They certainly do. Mr Alan Shearer had a bit about him, didn't he? Um, Let's talk about then the last goal, Newcastle United score. I'm just checking in my head that is right, isn't it? Yeah, We've talked yeah. about five, want the sixth now. Yeah. Don't think we'll ever say that again, <laughs> will
1: we? Well, no, this Newcastle team <laughs> will probably say it Thursday night. But...
0: Yeah, fingers crossed there. Uh, hopefully Newcastle do uh, give Everton a thump in. But yeah, Callum Wilson now. It's. In, I would like to. I mean, I'd be honest. I don't listen to the podcast he does with McCall and Tony. I'm sure it's a wonderful podcast, and maybe he's talked about it on there. But I would like to know his kind of mindset because he's he's wearing that number nine shirt. He's he's held the line for a long time. He was often before the takeover anyway the the one people look to alongside Anson Maxman. Now things are improving. Now he's got a striker alongside him every day in training who's pushing him, pushing him and. Is first choice. I know Wilson started. You know it's been, but he is first choice, Isaac. And I would like to know the mindset of Callum Wilson and what he's thinking about his future. What he thinks about being effectively second choice. I know Eddie Howe probably won't use that term phrase, but be interested to know what Wilson thinks about it. And I tell you what, all he can do is take his opportunities, and he is doing that when he's presented with them.
1: I think for Callum Wilson, there was you know if we rewind two months, you know, to around the cup final time. And he was really, really struggling of it. He clearly was carrying something from, you know, the World Cup. He clearly wasn't right January and February and even the start of March. And all of a sudden, when you had this big emergence of Isaac, everyone was thinking, right, okay, well, is this the end of Callum Wilson at your castle? And it would have been so easy for him to be like, look, Isaac's in, he's 58 million, I'm not going to get a go. His response to one, improving his own form, two are taking his chances I think it shows what type of player he is great mindset great leader it's no surprise that he's had the armband in the past and as you say you can only take his opportunities when they come and you can't really do much better than scoring with your first touch a minute after coming on so it's really really good that should touch wood anything happen to Alexander Rizak we've now got Callum Wilson back fit and firing and clearly you know back to his you know the sort of the Wilson we saw before the World Cup.
0: Yeah, there were a couple of nice moments when like, I'm not even going to try and guess what goal it was when he <laughs> when I saw Wilson celebrating in the in the dugout, but he was like every other uh, uh, lass and, and guy on the uh, on the terraces just absolutely loving it. And then at the end as well, him and Isaac like, had a nice moment together. You know, arm around the shoulder and just having a good a good smile and chat about things. So obviously they get on really well. And it, again, you know, it just must be music to Eddie Howe's ears to have two. Strikers that, when fit, at the top of the game, you know they're up there with the very best in the Premier League.
1: Absolutely, and I mean it's, as you say, Isaac is of course number one, and he's the first choice go to. But the fact that they've now got two, and as you say, anyhow can change it and chop it, and actually the team isn't getting weakened when Callum Wilson replaces Isaac in the second half or at the end of games, or even at the you know in a starting lineup. So. This is what we want. This is what we'll see more going forward when Newcastle start to sign better players, and all of a sudden that bench becomes, you know, full of top quality. Which we've already seen it happen the last couple of months. Um, but I think, as I say, it shows the type of player that Callum Wilson is—the fact that he's, you know, he's taking—he's that coming in his stride and and he's, you know, reacted to it.
0: It was a good goal as well from Callum Wilson—a yeah. real poacher's goal. You know, Miggy into the box, and then it ends it. Wilson's free two puts it home. Uh, first time I thought it was really good to see, um, not just those two have come off the bench, Miggy and um, Wilson, but obviously Javi Manquillo, Anthony Gordon as well, Jamal LaSalle, I thought everyone that came off the bench put in a good shift.
1: Yeah, they did, I think, um, you know, nobody's done themselves any harm, I think, as we say, he's got a lot of options now, Gordon knocking on the door, Elliot Anderson, who we haven't really seen the last couple of weeks, will still be itching for that chance, Um and yeah, as you say, you know, headaches to come against Everton and, and Southampton, but can you really justify changing that after yesterday? I don't think you can, for me personally.
0: No, I don't think you can, and I think it'll be built on, on uh, any decision will be built on kind of fitness and whether, you know, they need a rest ahead of yeah. of Sunday. Um, again, the defence didn't have m- much to do at all. There will be upset conceding that, that goal from Harry Kane. Soft goal as uh, well. Fabian yeah. Cher just switching off, and, and you know, very, very lucky that Harry Kane stayed on his feet actually, because he had more than a handful of his shirts. Uh, great finish from from Harry Kane, but the goal aside, you know, they did what they needed to do. And and more in- interestingly, when you haven't got that pressure from the opposition, from the forward line, it, it's a totally different task, isn't it? Because you're then tasked with the challenge of actually driving the team forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. As you said, I don't think you know the defense really put a foot wrong yesterday. Apart from that Kane goal, which I thought was a you know a soft one to concede at the very start of the half. Nick Pope made a very good save towards the, the back end of the game by Dan Juma. Um, even though the game was sort of out of sight by that point, but I will just say I know that they won six one and we've had you know wax lyrical about how good the attacking players were, but Dan burn yesterday.
2: Before the game,
1: the one change a lot of people would have made, and it was again, it's the calls we keep hearing is, they need to bring my target back, they need to bring my target back, and I think a lot of people would have wanted that yesterday, and just like we saw the other week when he was sort of on the cusp again, he pulls out a top draw performance, that was Dan Byrne for me, his best performance of the season, Kulisewski who on his days, a fantastic winger, didn't have a sniff, Son when he got switched out there, didn't have a sniff, he was really, really good yesterday from minute one. He didn't lose a tackle. He didn't lose a challenge. He didn't lose a header. Really, really good from him. And I'm really glad that, that again, he stepped up when he needed to.
0: Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with you. He made four tackles, three clearances. Uh, he topped the list for Newcastle United in both those those columns. He had 40 out of 50 accurate passes, which was about 80%. So, you know, he had a really... Uh, good game and it's really strange watching him because in the first instance uh, the opposition get the ball and get at him they seem to have you know a couple of yards on him and you think oh here we go and then somehow he just makes it up with them big long legs of his he makes it up and he kind of I think he kind of tries to tease them into maybe going through the legs and he's quick he was excellent yesterday. I mean the, the massive cheer he got and um, the build up to Isaac's first goal when he slides in he wins the ball and then Newcastle go up but there was instances all day yesterday, when every tackle he made was getting cheered like it was the, the next goal that, that 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 went in, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And it's um, he always seems to rise to the challenge.
1: Every time that there's a little bit of a doubt about, oh, you know, he's had a stink. I mean, let's not let's not beat around the bush. He had a shot against Villa. The course to bring Tog in might have been justified, but every time you know we've had it last month, we've had it again this month. He keeps finding a way of pulling out top drawer performances and look there's a reason that Eddie Howe has started the same back four in 23 of the last 24 games and it's because it works Ooh. and when they're on a the day they're unbeatable it's the reason they're the best defense in the league um and I'm just I think I think what'll happen is is the target chat will die down Dan Byrne will have a stinker against Everton for a couple of days it'll be right at tight to bring target back in and then Dan Burn will just pull him out the back again I think that's what we're going to see between now and the end of the season but for me I think you need to keep him in
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Graham says best performance this season for him. He says my United at home was more complete.
1: Yeah, I think it would be really easy to say that yesterday was the best performance, but I think you've got to go back to that My United game, and it was just it was a, it was a it was a complete performance. Um, I thought Newcastle were really good for the majority yesterday, even though it was five. And I thought their pressing was still really good. They were playing some lovely football, but I think Man U was just a little bit better
0: it's hard isn't it to talk about the game because of just how bad tottenham were and yeah. that's not taking anything away from newcastle who were absolutely brilliant and it's really nice to see on a national scale pundit saying that you know yeah. this wasn't a case that spurs were really bad and newcastle just could just walk the ball in the back of the net and, you know spurs didn't really gift newcastle any goals that had to work for them yes defensively they were shocking whatever have you but it was a really solid performance from newcastle but you are kind of searching around and going, oh, goodness me, because like, we're not talking about Nick Pope pulling off a save, or we're not talking about the defence having to be strong, a last-ditch challenge from Fabian Cher or Sven Botman. We're not really talking about the midfield having to actually be in a battle, because it was that non-existent. I can't remember a worse team yeah. coming to St James's Park and especially a team that is supposedly competing for the same thing Newcastle United is.
1: If you go back, if we go back 24 hours before that game yesterday, a win would have put Tottenham level with Newcastle and you just think what more motivation do you need to come to St James' Park, which yes was always going to be horrible atmosphere wise for you you were always going to have a tough game but to collapse like they did inside you know, four or five minutes I mean, as you say I can't think of a worse time that you know, a team's Cape Newcastle. And it was really funny that earlier this week I was speaking to somebody about, remember that game where Newcastle were 3-0 down inside 11 minutes at Portsmouth? Portsmouth. Yeah, and we lost 4-1 and I was talking to someone about that the other day um, about how it was my worst ever St James's Park memory and I just think it's, you know, lovely that four days later I'm talking about probably one of my best St James' Park memories but it was Newcastle on the, on the, uh the given end this time. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, they were just so, so, so bad. Yeah, they were. And
0: when I spoke to our colleague down in London, Alastair Gould, who covers Spurs, and he he said, you know, if Newcastle fans make a little bit of noise, it's not going to end well for uh, Spurs. They couldn't handle they couldn't handle the pressure off or
1: on the pitch, could they? I think Antonio Conte's run, which you know, remember that famous rant he's doing. It's getting it more and more true with every game, it isn't was 35 it? Thirty-five days ago, it feels like it was a lifetime ago. This they've got no heart. Okay, they've got, you know, even Christian Romero, one of the, you know, their their nastiest, most physical, you know, horrible players, didn't have an answer yesterday. Hugo Lloris, the captain, concedes five, and then, oh, he goes off at half-time because he's got a muscle injury. Even Harry Kane, you know, England's captain. Did he have a muscle injury? Well, I think he had a pride injury, I think. Uh, you know, even Harry Kane, Hungman, saw him, these huge players international stature, they just look like they just could not be bothered and they wouldn't be anywhere else. And I think... Tottenham on and the pitch and off the pitch are a club in crisis. They haven't got a manager. They're going to apparently sack their interim manager and replace him with another interim manager. Their sporting director's got a worldwide football ban. Their owner was apparently... He's, he's resigned now. He's resigned. He's gone. Sorry. Their owner apparently you know was very, very unhappy yesterday. Tottenham have had to come out and deny that he was in the dressing room, even though he was seen in the tunnel You know, pretty unhappy. Compare that to what's happening with Newcastle on and off the pitch the unity on and off the pitch, the vision, what they're trying to do. There's only one team that are going to finish in the Champions League and it's, and it's not Tottenham. Is it Newcastle? Certainly.
0: There we go. Absolutely. On on record on the 24th of April. So fingers crossed, you're right. Um, my, my wife did text us at half-time yesterday. I, unbelievably, for the first time in many years, I, I, I got Signal. It's in James's Park. I don't Start know what was going on. I don't know what was going on. And, I, and she said, uh, you can use this for free in your podcast. So she said... Do you think the alarm will have woken Spurs up?
1: Brilliant. Yeah, I mean
0: it. It certainly didn't, did it?
1: It didn't at all. I
0: mean, we good? No, we're not going to talk about Spurs anymore because it is a disservice to T-
1: Newcastle. Tottenham, was, Tottenham are was so bad. There's no <coughs> taking away from it. But Newcastle made them that bad. Newcastle could have easily stooped that level and not been up for it either. Mm-hmm. But from the first minute, they wanted it more. You know, they wanted the first ball. They wanted the second ball. And yeah, Newcastle made them as bad as they were.
0: Actually, I do want to make two points about Spurs. First off, I, I, I'm not even going to pretend I know which player it was, but the, when the camera pans to him after the
1: third goal,
0: and he's looking like. I think
1: it's Romero it, that you're on about. And he's thing. looking
0: like, you know, like when you were a kid in your back garden and, and you're, <laughs> you're playing football and you accidentally kick it too hard and it smashes the kitchen window. <laughs> and you're just like, your mum's going to kill us. That's what he looked like. Do you know what
1: I mean? What he, that's what he was thinking. My mum's going to kill us when I
0: get home <laughs> he's like, for this <laughs> performance. Salini's, he's, he's going to knack us, isn't he? I mean,. Uh, very weird. Uh, I, mean, I just can't believe they replaced Conte with Conte type two. It just—it's just absolutely baffling. And it is actually so nice that it's not Newcastle United on the back pages for the the daft and utterly ridiculous decisions that used to happen at Newcastle United before the takeover. It's now someone else.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I think. Not only replacing Conte with his with his right hand man and expecting different results, the one thing that Conte sort of had going for him was that he knew how to play a back five with Spurs. Why on earth that Cellini thought St James' Park away in the biggest game of Tottenham season was the time to finally go to fourth the back? You know, I don't understand that. Well, it's either.
0: interesting, I was listening to a national phone in the other day and someone said, Oh, Spurs need to bring in a winner. And I was thinking, Where they?
1: Have they not just sacked him? They've had they've had two
0: two winners in yeah. when you look on paper and Mourinho and Conte. Anyway, the final point I want to make about Spurs is, you know, it's gone really badly. When on what was it twenty five minutes? You're bringing on the guy who Spurs fans booed with every touch the weekend before.
1: Yeah, and one thing I will I will say about that Newcastle fans. At, at first, I thought it was a a sarcastic gesture. <laughs> When that poor um, saw came off after twenty minutes, only a young lad, one of his first Premier League starts, and he walked around the length of St James's Park, and Newcastle fans to their credit clapped him and said, "You know, head up, it, you know, it happens to us all." And that must have been reassuring for him because, I mean, that poor lad, you're down after twenty minutes, you hold off, you've got to walk round that, that cold. It, it must have been horrible. But as you a say, second start. As well. Thank God it's not Newcastle, you know, for a change. Yeah,
0: and um, that's. To my knowledge, the second fastest time yeah. a club have scored five goals. Yeah, yeah I think
1: the only City have bettered that, and that was 18, 19 minutes, I think. You know,
0: against Watford, yeah. and then they held the record previously as well, which was 24 minutes, something like that. So, Newcastle breaking records uh, everywhere you look. I just want to have a... We've got a, a clip from Eddie Howe's press conference, so I'll play that in a moment. But I just want to have a quick note about Anthony Gordon, obviously. Much publicised what happened against Brentford. He's handed the opportunity against Fuller, It didn't quite happen for him. I thought it was a real big moment when he comes onto the pitch. I was never expecting a bad reception at all, so don't come at me with that. But I just felt when he runs on that pitch, and the, especially the Gallagher corner, the strawberry corner, starts singing his name, yeah. and then he goes over and takes a corner, and the applause is huge. I think that will be a big moment, more than most realise for Anthony Gordon.
1: Yeah, I think I think he's got the backing of the fans. You can't deny it. Even you know after that thing against Brentford, which was probably blown out of proportion, especially um, given that sort of how and Richie try to squash it straight away. The one thing I will say is that you know yeah, I don't I don't you, you can't blame the Villa defeat on Anthony Gordon, and I'm not trying to do that. But I think it doesn't look good for Gordon when the one game he comes in from the start that happens, he gets taken out the team, which I thought was the right decision to bring Longstaff back. And they're winning that thing. I think it's it's going to be hard for him now. No doubt he'll get his, his chance in the first team again. He'll be very, very up for it Thursday night, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, it, it, I don't think we'll see the best of Anthony Gordon this season. I think he's probably going to have to, you know, settle for little fits and spells in the team but it's, it's very good to see that the fans are on his, on his side definitely
0: yeah John says everyone was willing Gordon to score yesterday it just isn't happening for him yet very close to scoring the way they moved that ball I mean I don't know how many minutes is left on the clock maybe five or six but the way they moved the ball for that opportunity yeah
1: very it, quick counter wasn't from it
0: from their own box Gordon to Willick Will, Willick takes it up and sets up Gordon who just a bit more power, and that's probably in the back of the net. But it's scary, scary yeah, pace on the team,
1: yeah, definitely. I think Willick, Willick, especially to have that energy, as we've touched on earlier, at that stage of the game. And as you say, it's just not clicking for going at the minute. I think if that was Joel or that was even that's it, Murphy, in that position. It's probably a goal. I think there was just a little lack of conviction, but he'll get there. He's young, he's he's you know, he's, he's got a big price tag, he's only joined a couple of months ago. He'll get his opportunity
0: and before we hear from Eddie Howe this question was always going to pop up uh, before the end of the show <laughs> from Ramis Rana on YouTube do we really miss Alan St Maxim? Mean, I have to admit I was sitting there yesterday thinking goodness me could you imagine Maxi up against this lot he would be having an absolute field day but
1: <sighs> it's another one he always seems to get injured at just the wrong time doesn't he and I think we might have just seen that again from him Again, you know, when he's back to full fitness, which we think will be in, you know, maybe you know another week or two. I don't know. It's 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 hard to see how he walks straight back into this team. But and look, after a six-one win where you score five in twenty-one minutes, we can't sit here and say they missed him. They didn't at all. But I I don't think that should sort of you know. Take back from what he offers this team.
0: Yeah, we're looking forward to having him uh, back. Now let's hear from Eddie Howe, who was speaking to reporters after the game. As you can imagine, he was in good spirits because well, after scoring six goals, uh, why wouldn't you be? So here's what Eddie Howe had to say after the game.
2: Um, I'm not sure if I have. I can't remember, which uh, might sound a surprise, but I've got no idea. Um, what goes through your head? It's, it's always about managing the game, I think. Even at 5-0 after 20 minutes, the game's not done, there's a lot of time to play. I've seen crazy things happen in football, so with the quality that Tottenham have got in the front areas, we had to keep our composure and um, concentration. I thought we did that, I thought the players have a lot of credit for what they, they gave today. It was a top-class performance. Was it a tactic to go out, I mean, you normally do so fast, but was it a tactic to go out? And they often that because they changed from the usual five and five four. Yeah, I don't, don't think it's formation-dependent. We want to try and start games like that, especially here at home. Um, but it's easier said than done. As I've said before, you know, the first goal probably changes everything, changes the feel. The supporters were magnificent for us, they really got in the game. It was an electric atmosphere, it was an electric performance from us, and we were clinical in front of goals, so everything went our way in the early stage of the game. Well, I think you're always in the game, so you always want more. So you're never going to sit there and sit back and go, right lads, everything's great because in football it can turn within seconds. So it's about demanding more and making sure we maintained our high standards from that early start to the game. We always want to try and give a team that is, is wanting to score in any phase of the game. So I mean, we pride ourselves on that and the players delivered it brilliantly. Yeah, I thought those two players complemented each other really well. I think they've built actually a really good relationship in the last few weeks by dovetailing position and um, they've got a really good understanding. But I thought all the units functioned today. So whether that's the front line, um, the midfield, the defence in conjunction with them in terms of feeding them the ball and our relationships on the pitch were, were very good. I
0: think the first thing to say is, can someone get the report as a mic, please? <laughs> Because we need to hear what they're saying.
2: I'll second that, yeah.
0: At the end there, uh, he was talking about uh Joelinson and Willick, the relationship they've got there down the left, uh, which we know is superb. Um, and, and just in general, he's talking about not letting the performance drop because, it, again, it's very easy when you haven't got the players, the opposition, pressing you and, 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 and at your back and want, you know, wanting just to compete. It's very easy to get complacent. It's very easy to get complacent at one two goals, let alone when you've hit five in the first half. Um, But he's right in what he says there. You know, the the performance levels didn't drop. You saw when the fifth goal went in, he calls Trippa over here. He's saying something to Trippi. He's gesturing with his hands. He's telling them where to be, what to do. Um, And I thought, actually, it was a real test to their character, uh, especially in in the second half, not to drop off. And, you know, the the tempo dropped, but the level of performance didn't.
1: Yeah, I think... When that when that Tottenham goal went in the start of the second half I wasn't thinking right okay well Newcastle are suddenly in a game now but you wanted them to respond and they did because they you know they kept the, they kept themselves as you say they kept the tempo relatively high Eddie howington were making sure they were barking orders at them as we saw as I've, as I mentioned Alexander reset and other players busting a gut to win the ball back when they did lose it there was that feeling that they wanted more I think the crowd wanted more I think Newcastle United players felt that and wanted well themselves, um but I don't think you'll ever get a situation, even if cast United are six or seven on you know, you'll never get a situation where Eddie Howe lets them switch off at all. And that was what he reaffirmed to us yesterday, that the game's never done in his mind. Yeah,
0: and again they look so fit, they've got the yeah. stamina absolutely superb. Um let us just point you in the direction of our live events on Thursday, May the twenty-fifth. We're gonna take the Everything Is Black and White Podcast on the road. Back at the Tyneside Irish Centre, hopefully celebrating Newcastle's top four uh, <laughs> spot secured. It's a couple of days uh, after the Brighton game, which will be the or oh, is Leicester game? Leicester game is it on the fifteenth?
1: Um, right? The eighteenth is Brighton. Brighton,
0: yeah, yeah, so it's a few days after. And then
1: that. yeah, Leicester before that as well. I think yeah, yeah. so
0: it's a few ge- a few days before the final game of the season, which is Chelsea. Yeah. Um, we'll be at the Tyneside Irish Centre with myself. Aaron here, uh, Kieran Kelly, Lee Ryder, The Daily Mirror, Simon Bird, and special, special guest, Toon legend, Nobby Solano. So get your tickets. The link is in the comments there. Um, some money getting raised for Newcastle Fans Food Bank. So please do come along. Just £5, uh, including fees, for your tickets. Uh, it's going to be a really, really great night. And you get a meet a tune legend, uh, Norberto Solano, as well as Aaron. <laughs> um, let's talk about uh, what and Trippier said after the game, because this is kind of the first time we've heard players really talk about the Champions League dream. I know there's been instances where they've been asked before, but they've not really been too forthcoming on the answer. But he said to Sky Sports, we shouldn't be scared to say what we want. Uh, we shouldn't be scared to say we want to play Champions League football. We knew how big it was against Tottenham. The games are now running out, but we've got another one around the corner, so we need to be ready for that. This club and this stadium would be bouncing if we could bring Champions League football back here. The gaffer has put faith in the players here. They've shown how good they are. The fans have been unbelievable all seasons and season since I've arrived. They've been incredible, home and in away. The results have obviously helped, but hopefully that can continue. Newcastle and Atletico have the best supporters i ever played for, but Newcastle take it up to another level. I say, first time really players come out and said, hey, yeah, we won Champions League football.
1: Yeah, interesting that those trivia comments probably came about five minutes before Eddie Howe was asked the exact same question by us in his post-match press conference. And let me tell you, we got a very different answer. The, the Eddie Howe message was, you can talk about Champions League all you want amongst yourselves, and in your headlines, and your newspapers. But for me, it's fully focused on everything. And I think until until Newcastle United are mathematically in the Champions League, Eddie Howe admitted. And I think even then, you might say, "Well, you know what? We're, we might we might get deducted points or something." And he just he just he doesn't want to live in anything other than the moment. He doesn't deal with anything but facts. And we all speculate about Champions League, and and you know we were I was talking to some. Other journalists yesterday. He's the only manager in the league, I think, at this stage of the season with his club in this position that wouldn't even admit that they're in a European race because he just doesn't want to he doesn't want to put his name to that.
0: Do you think he lives his life like that as well? Like, you no. know, when you book a hold in, you keep counting it down, he's like, No, I'm only focusing on tomorrow.
1: I think he's the type of person that gets to the airport about six hours before flight. <laughs> he's in the departure gate four hours before, he's making sure. Um look, he's we can't knock him, you know. As journalists, we want him to give us, you know, juicy answers, and you know, sometimes he doesn't bite, but he's you know, no, he's, yeah. a, he's a realist, and we've got to respect him for it because the previous manager would just say what he wanted with no filter, and and it wasn't good for. Well, him I was too.
0: going to go back even further than, than Steve Bruce actually because I absolutely love the fact that Eddie Howe, at least publicly, and I'm sure actually he's doing this, you know, inward as well, is just focusing on what's next and not looking ahead because there are certain managers. Mr. Alan you for one who would think about what's to come, you know, down the line, not game by game, not even week by week. And I just think it's really important, especially with the you know the, the ownership that Newcastle have got, that he how does keep his feet on the ground, and you know he's doing that. The players are doing that. It's going to be a test in the summer when they do need to go and uh, buy some you know really good players. Whether that gets affected, but so important that he's. He's not getting too big for his boots. That he's he's not his ego is not getting inflated by what by the job he's done here. He's focusing game by game, and he's not thinking too far ahead. And I'm I'm all for it.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of Newcastle United fans are as well. He always speaks so well, not just about the club, but about everything that's unfolding. And um, yeah, look, we we can't knock and we laugh and joke about you know how he doesn't give us much, but he you know. As you say, he's, a he's, given, he's, given,
0: he's given the fans the best season in a generation, exactly.
1: right? Exactly. So we can't knock him for anything. And Kevin trip
0: there talking about Champions League football. I mean, what were you? Were you four, five?
1: Last time um, Newcastle won the Champions League. Last time Newcastle with the Champions League, I was seven years old. Seven so years old. I remember listening to Newcastle get knocked out by on Belgrade on my little radio. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's my that's my only sort of recollection of Champions League. Football.
0: I remember Annie Griffin scoring against Uv. Can you? I can remember that yeah, sitting in the Gallagher. Yes,
1: because you're a dinosaur.
0: Eef, the absolute <laughs> insults getting <laughs> thrown here. But um, we've got a, a question here from Ramesh again. Uh, um, how many games realistically do you think Newcastle have to win to qualify for the Champions League?
1: Um, where are they now? They're six points clear with Tottenham. With a game in hand. Liverpool and Villa have, have played a game more than them. I don't know. I think I think they need... Three, four. how many left? Seven. They need three or four more wins, I think, just to be sure, out of seven. But I think they'll get them. I think the run of form they're on, the fixtures they've got, the fact that a lot of their games are at home, which is a huge plus. Uh, for me, I, 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 I don't want to go anti-anyhow here, but I'm, I'm going to say it. I think they get Champions League football.
0: It's gone on record. I'm going to sit on the fence a little bit oh, longer. Beat, splinters. Beat, beat Everton and beat Southampton, then, uh then, then uh, next week's show I'll, I'll, I'll go. No, I mean, they're going to. It'd be a travesty if they didn't. It would, would be, they? it would be, it would be. So, I, yeah, I mean, yesterday... Actually, yesterday was, was a massive result because I wasn't too worried about Spurs. I'm more worried about Liverpool because they have found that form and I know they've been, they have been dreadful by their standards. Liverpool was the one that was... If Newcastle had lost yesterday or even drawn, I still feel they'll finish above Spurs. Yeah. It's Liverpool that will be me now. So and, was,
1: and and uh, look, I know they've got a big gap, but even the likes of Villa and Brighton won't go down without a fight. Brighton Brighton what, two games Brighton have got two so, games in over Newcastle, three over um Spurs. They've got you know, they've got a lot of play for. So yeah, they need it, they need three or four for me.
0: You've got Darren saying maybe four wins and a draw could give us top four from the remaining seven. Aaron says four. Uh, Darren uh, clarifies says thirteen points for the next seven. Uh, Aaron agrees, you can see Liverpool winning all their games, and John says as Aaron, uh, reminded us, uh, Brighton still well in the race. Big paragraph here then from Paul, absolutely fantastic performance yesterday, frustrating that the media has per normal focus on how poorly opposition played instead of how fantastic we played, and stopped Spurs from playing. I'm going to argue with Paul, I mean, I'm mean, i sure that is happening, um, but I think as a whole, I think there was a lot of credit for, for Newcastle, I think the Spurs played that badly, that you know the conversation is going to sort of focus on how badly they played because they were dreadful. But as we've said earlier on the show, Newcastle were brilliant and do deserve credit. Uh, Paul goes on to say, I know we need a bit more strength and depth, but who do you think uh, will come in during the summer and who more importantly will make way for the first team? Uh, it's interesting because there was another comment up above that said they think someone will come in for Fabian Chair. Uh, I've, I've been told that Newcastle. Have kind of put it out there. They're looking for a young centre back, so not necessarily someone who's got experience. But their, their priority, uh, from what I've been told, in defence is a is a kind of a young centre back, um, which is in, in, interesting because that maybe suggests that actually Fabian Share still might be first team in the first choice next season.
1: Yeah, I think you know Share's shown this season. He's still got you know a lot to give this team. He's not getting any younger, which I can see is why they maybe you know prioritising it. Uh, a young right sided centre back. I think for me, I think the priority is a defensive midfielder. Then you look at the likes of a right midfielder, a, a first choice left back, then you probably go to a right sided centre back. That's probably your, your four main ones that you need to you need to improve. And then I think you need to add a little bit more depth to that bench and I think you know Dan Ashworth made it clear that they're gonna, you know, try and get some really good young players on the books. Um so, yeah, and then, but look, in terms of two drops out the first year, I'm not sure, but I think this time next season, we're going to be looking at that bench thinking,
0: hmm.
1: very, very good. Just on the centre-back, there's, there's
0: something going off in the back of my head, and it's probably because of the curse of being a Newcastle Night fan for so long, that if they don't go out and get an experienced centre-back, what does that do for Botman's development? Look, he's going to be a star, no doubt about it, but I do... Part of me, it's a very spoiled part of me thinks, oh goodness, could it be a Stephen Taylor moment where you know, if Stephen Taylor had played alongside Jonathan Woodgate, you're probably talking about Stephen Taylor, maybe England captain, maybe that's a bit of a stretch. But he ended up against playing alongside some other centre-backs that weren't exactly top of the game. And I just think having that experienced centre-back would help Botman's development and, and, and maybe not necessarily um, take him to the next level, but maybe speed it up slightly.
1: Yeah, I completely agree, and I think we sort of forget how young Botman is and how much he's still got to grow, especially in this division. Um, but I think Fabian Cher this season. He's, you know, as we say every week, he's the walking wounded, He gets up every week. Um, I think down the line, undoubtedly, it will be Botman and someone else. But I think in terms of what they need to do this summer, I wouldn't say it's a priority that they need to come in and find a, a bottom and pop and that's going to walk straight into this team.
0: And they'll struggle to find a, a better pass of the exactly. ball in defence than, than Fabian exactly. Cher. Um John, not holding back with what he would like, can you imagine if we had Jack Grealish down the left?
1: <laughs> can you imagine if he'd said that comment about six months ago before him <laughs> and Miggy buried the hatchet? Um, I mean, yeah, Jack Grealish down the left would be fantastic, but I'm not sure they've got the cash to, to get away from City at the moment
0: right let's just uh finish the episodes let's just reminisce once again about that joe willick pass in fact you oh, know what i'm i've got the, i've got a tendency to start up fan clubs for exact for no reason whatsoever but i think i'm wanted here i might just set up a fan club for that assist. assist. for the assist
1: i think that would probably get more fans than the miggy fan club and that's no disrespect to miggy but i think as as a lot of people have commented arguably the best pass we've ever seen
0: at the Monday Night Football and that, I'm going to be trying that every pass is going to be the outside of the foot right <laughs> you try
1: it every ref, re- uh, and it never comes
0: off I can just imagine uh, a colleague from another uh, outlet with another rival Newcastle United podcast uh, laughing at us tonight as I uh, mess up every single pass I did want to finish though however on the fact and it's been doing the rounds on social media that this is the first time in the Premier League and this is an actual correct stack because so I went and checked it last night, not that I was doubting the person who first put it out there, that Newcastle United if i had three players on double figures in what, Premier for League goals. A season? Shut up. No, it's hands down because I checked it out because I was like, no, nah, you're totally wrong. Yeah, I mean, because you you think Ginola must have scored a boatload, didn't?
1: Yeah, you would have thought you would have thought back in the day when it was like Shearer, Bellamy, Amiobi, or even someone like Dia Chippen in, or even going back to Bar CC years with
0: no, that yeah, with uh, Bar and C got the over ten, but no one else was. Even Colin and Beardsley, Rob Lee was next. I think it was on eight or seven or eight. Ginola only, I think Ginola's best tally was five Premier League it's goals. A good,
1: good start for you. It's a quiz good start, then.
0: and then and then. The 97-98 season with John Barnes, I wouldn't even bother looking. I think they scored 35 (laughs) goals between them, giving me nightmares last night. But what a start
1: that is. And, you know, it shows you just how well the players are doing. Especially when you consider Isaac missed so much of the season. Imagine if he'd had a clean run at the season.
0: Yeah. I think Sam Mulner would change his name by Depot, wouldn't he? (laughs) Let's just go to Miggy, Wilson and uh, Isaac, yeah? yeah? Mm -hmm. Goodness me, good things to come. So there you go, again. I just
1: uh, let's just have, I, Joe Willick man. I wish we had the clip just to end on there. Yeah, it would
0: cost us quite a bit to show <laughs> that. I'm going we'll get out and we'll watch it yeah. again. But yeah, Joe Willick, thank you for that pass. And I'll probably be talking about it next week unless you do something even more special against Everton uh, or the Saints. Thank you very much, guys, for tuning in. This has been the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Head over to ChronicleLive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news, including Eddie Howe's press conference tomorrow.
1: Yes, um, as he yeah. done it wednesday wednesday yeah
0: sometime this week and uh, remember to buy your tickets for a live event on thursday the 25th of may with special guest and alberto solano from me now and thank you very much for tuning in and enjoy the rest of your week